Do you have a story to tell? Here at Rider on the Road, it's the journey that matters. Regardless of where you are on your riding journey, Rider on the Road will inspire you to take your dreams and make them happen. So sit back and enjoy the show as Melinda brings you guests who know what it's like to go it alone and who are willing to reach out to the rest of us by sharing their stories. Authors, publishers, entrepreneurs, people at all stages of the riding journey, just like you and me. It's time, dear listeners, to answer the question for yourselves. Do you have a story to tell? Welcome to another episode of Writer on the Road. Today we're over in beautiful Western Australia and I've got Fiona Palmer with me. Good afternoon, Fiona. Afternoon, Melinda. Fiona. Now I've stuffed Fiona in a bit of a cupboard here so that we could get the sound right today so we'll have to talk quickly before she dies of heat exhaustion. Uh, Fiona has come into Perth from her hometown of Pinjaring. Is that how you pronounce it? Pingaring. Pingaring. Don't worry, there's only like four houses in it, in the whole town, so um, there's not many people that actually get to say the name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now where Pingaring is, everybody, it's in the wheat belt of southwest Western Australia. Uh, I used to live in Norseman, so I drew a bit of a line from Norseman straight over to the west coast, and there was Pinjaring, this little dot in the middle of nowhere. And that's where Fiona lives and writes all her books. She's up to, I think it was book, which she's got a book set of eight books and then um, another four ebooks coming. Would you like to tell us about that um, prolific writing habit of yours? Well, some days uh, I think I should be doing a lot more. <laughs> that, that if I really pushed myself, I could be doing two books a year instead of one. Um, but it, it, I just don't want, don't want to put myself under that much stress. You know, when you've got two kids at home, I'm still working, uh, you, you've got to do housework, you've got to give time, you know, have time for the husband and uh, and, and also just to relax and um, look after yourself. It, it's quite time consuming. So um, one book a year it is sort of thing and we're just plodding along. <laughs> yeah, and that seems to be, I know I've spoken to Jen McLeod and a few others, that seems to be quite quite enough um especially by the time you do all the research and and go through all the um rewrites and everything like that but your latest book the family secret uh as you said it's from the best-selling author oh sorry the best-selling yeah it says best-selling author of the saddler boys now i don't know if anyone's read the saddler boys but you were telling me before the show that this is your first novel where you where you add on where you where you continue the series yeah, yep. I, I, when I wrote The Saddler Boys, I had a secondary character, Kim, and I just thought she's such a great character and I, she needed her own story. Um, so The Family Secret got to be kind of like a spin-off and we got to see all the same characters back and as well as a new story and I got to introduce this Vietnam thread, which was, you know, really exciting uh, and I enjoyed researching that. So, yeah, which is, uh, it's been well received by readers so it's great yeah now you've been at this for many years I'm guessing to have eight novels at one a year when when did you start writing um well I got uh, signed my contract in 2008 so it was three years before it took me three years to get my first book written um I had my children then in 2003 and 2005 they were born and that's about when I started writing and I was also managing the local store. Um, I was in a partnership with my mum running that at the time. So it took three years and I had no clue what I was doing anyway. <laughs> so, 
Um, but, yeah, a bit easier now. Now you were picked up out of a slush pile. That's right. It was mm, yeah. after those three years, um, <clears throat> I sort of finished the book and, and my mum read it and a few friends and they said, oh, this is, this is really good. You should do something with it. I'm like, well, you know, how do you go about getting a book published? So I typed that into Google, good old Google, and uh, brought up the Australian Society of Authors and they were running a mentorship competition. So I entered it and out of the 200 that applied, I was one that was successful. They were judged us on our first three chapters. Uh, and from that, I had uh, 20 hours free work with a published author. So that really helped my story along. Um, I worked out how to set out a manuscript for start. And then um, once I had gone through it, got friends to read it, proofread it, um, I then sent off the first three chapters to Penguin. And at that time, I didn't have a agent, anything like that. And they have that little thing on their website saying we do not ex accept unsolicited manuscripts. But I sent it anyway. And it was read by one of the office girls and passed on then to Ali Watts, who was Rachel Treasure's publisher at the time. And the rest, as they say, is history. Yeah, and it, it's a, such a nice story as well because it just goes to show that if you if you work hard and do everything right, eventually someone will pick you up and and recognise your talent. Uh, now, eight books later, what have you learnt? I don't know. Um, I still I still get scared every time I send it off to the publisher. I still wonder if I'm writing complete rubbish. I uh, still worry that it's not good enough to be published. Um, it's funny, after all these years, those fears are still there, the nerves, the anxiety. Um, I don't know if it'll ever go away. <laughs> uh, I, look, I wonder as well. I think if you lost that edge, your stories wouldn't be the same, would they? Yeah, I guess so. Um, you know, I don't know. I just hope that I put enough into it. And then in the end I come down and think, well, the publisher wouldn't publish it, publish it if it was crap. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, now, your stories are obviously set in rural areas, but from memory they're not all set in WA, are they? Yeah, no, all of them are set in WA and mainly around my area. So, you know, I've got the nearby towns next to me, Hyden, Wave Rock. I had a book set, set there, one in Coolan with the Tin Horse Highway, uh, some in Lake Grace. There was one I made up a fake name for a town because it was dealing with rural depression and suicide and, you know, after a town went through a drought and I just thought it was a bit too close to home to make pick a town for that. And But the book I'm writing at the moment in the process of editing is actually set in Perth. Oh, so you've gone to the big city. How, how, has, that yes. changed? how has that changed your style? It was it was interesting, um, you know. It was, uh, draw, you know, I normally draw off of the rural countryside and all that inspiration for my books. But uh, setting a book in the city was a bit different, mind you. I've lived in the city, so it's not something I'm not familiar with. Um, and my characters went on a cruise to Albany, which is another coastal town where I've sort of grown up in as well. So. Um, then again, I'm I'm still describing places I've been to, places that I love. Um, so the jump wasn't wasn't too too hard. I hope. Hopefully, the, the readers will be the judge. I guess. Yeah. And is your heroine is she a country girl or is she a city city girl? I actually have three girls in this my latest story, which is sort of a women's fiction. So they're all all three of them are city girls. 
Oh, okay. So that's a complete departure, isn't it? It is, yes. We're just trying something a bit different uh, this year. Okay. And that does that extend you and extend your writing skills? Is is your pace faster? I should imagine with rural romances and, and rural characters, I imagine wide, o- wide open spaces and, and plenty of setting to play with. You come to the city, does the pace pick up and things happen a little bit more quickly? Yeah, I'm hoping so. You know, I want it to be a, a page turner, sort of quick and engaging. And um, I still have moments where I can set the scene. Um, but I guess it is, it, it's sort of different but same, <laughs> if that makes sense. <laughs> and that this one will come out in September this year in 2017. Yep. Yep. So yep. that's year to year. So you will have the edits. It's taken you, what, um, six months to write it and edit it, is that correct? And then another six months with your editor? Yep, that's that's pretty much it. Um, I started writing it uh, last year, probably August, uh, and then I hit harvest, so then I had to stop writing. Then I finished harvest and I finished it at the end of January, sent it off. We've been doing edits since then. Um, we've still got another round of edits to go, sort of copy edits, and then they'll start to uh, proofread. And, um, yeah, and meanwhile, I'm studying another book. <laughs> yeah. Now, everybody, this is the crux of my, my interview with Fiona today, and I think, I think you've opened it up very nicely, Fiona. Tell us about your harvester and how you write. Um, well... A few years back, probably three now, three or four or five, I don't know, I lose count, um, I, the books were doing well enough that I didn't have to work. So I quit my work. I was doing part-time work at the local shop and thought I'd stay home, just be a mum and write. Um, I didn't do that for very long. I was getting a bit toey, I guess. I like to be busy. And friends of mine called me up and said, oh, we're looking for a header driver, are you keen? And I'm like, I'm mad keen. So that harvest, I went out driving a header and then they sort of said, well, do you want to come back for seeding? And I said, sure. And then they said, are you busy doing anything else? So now I'm pretty much, um, whenever I'm not writing, I'm out at the farm giving them a hand. Now, for all my international, all my thousands of international listeners here, you will not get any more Australian than Fiona sitting up in the harvester um, out there in that beautiful West Australian um, wheat fields. And the thing that attracted me to your writing, Fiona, were those beautiful, beautiful photos of sunrises and sunsets and wide open spaces. Now, they all those images make it into your books, of course, but inside the harvester, don't you have um, little sayings stuck up? Do I remember having a conversation with you about yeah. um, what's stuck inside your harvester? Yeah, I have, um, we sort of have a joke, I have a white marker, you know, whiteboard marker and we write jokes on the windows and stuff to to keep going and my, my I've named all the headers, my header's called Holly and we've got another identical one, she's called Amber, so uh, I like my girls, they're really good hard working <laughs> headers um, and you know we also have a tractor, a quad track tractor, she's Ruby um, and I get to drive her at seeding so lots of fun. Yeah. Now, this is not the life of everybody uh, here in Australia. Not not many of us have the experiences that Fiona has. Uh, you're sitting here making it sound so very, very normal. Now, these tractors are 
I think the wheels are taller than me uh, and the paddocks go on for miles and miles. Though the sort of experiences that you have and you go out on your author talks, are your readers really, really curious about, about the real life Fiona Palmer? Yeah, yes and no. Um, I guess, you know, a lot of readers are from the country so they understand what I'm writing about. Um, but, you know, I've had some uh, interaction with some city, like a city publicist who just didn't even know what Harvest was. So um, I like to think I'm educating people through my books. Uh, I, I do go into a bit more detail than probably most rural authors. I like to, you know, show what a farmer does. You know, it's Harvest or what happens when they get a flood or a frost or struggling through a depression when it doesn't rain. Um, but you know, it balances out. There's those beautiful sunrises and sunsets, which just make my days so amazing. Can't, yeah, I've got the best job, really. Yeah, and we all, I guess, and me especially, I'm looking for this romantic ideal of the writer's life. Now, Fiona gets up and sees sunrises and goes home and sees sunsets, and she's out in that field all day doing whatever people in tractors do and harvesters do (laughs) when do you write well intermittently I guess that when I come to harvest uh, which can be anywhere from October through to the end of December I'll do nothing but harvest long hours on the header Um, I can't even fathom trying to write I get I'm knackered by the time I get home so I seeding and harvest are big chunks of time where I just can't write at all in between is when I try to catch up on writing like at the moment I'm doing two to three days work out in the farm doing a bit of welding sorting out some bearings getting the cedar bar ready Um, and then I'll spend two days at home trying to write but those two days I have to be prolific uh, and I'll even write over the weekends which was harder when I had my kids at home but uh, just this year I have both of them in boarding school um there's crickets chirping in my house constantly. It's very quiet, but it's giving me plenty of time to write. Yeah. is that? Do you think that's one of the reasons you've gone to the city now? Your kids are at boarding school. I'm assuming it's Perth. Uh, could that be why your stories have moved to the city? No. Um, this was mainly just a trying a different genre, you know, opening up the readership. The rural following is great, but it, it seems to stop at a certain level, um, whereas women's fiction has a broader uh, reach, I guess. So um, we just thought we'd give it a go, something different. I was keen to write, try my hand at this. It doesn't mean I'm going to stop writing rural. I've started another rural book as we speak, um, about 5,000 words into that. So, Yeah. Women's fiction, uh, what sort of word length are we looking at? Sorry, word count? Yep. Yep. Um, at the moment, it's a uh, hundred and ten k. Yeah. So that's a substantial novel, isn't it? And and to churn that out in the short period of time, I think you said like less than six months with edits. You're churning that out on weekends is is a huge feat. And I'm looking at this time to write because most of us say, "Oh, I'm too busy. I haven't got time." Now I know if you'd like to describe, I think it was I read one Christmas when you were putting on the Christmas pageant down at the local Pingaring Hall and how you were fitting your writing in around it. I'm guessing you're a little bit shy and I want to come back to it. That time to write, I believe you actually multitask even while you're writing. 
Yeah. I, the great thing about living in the country is you're in your car a lot. To drive anywhere, for me to drive out to the farms, 15, 20 minutes, or I'm on machinery all day. So I'm thinking of my next chapter. I'm working out my plot. So when I do find time to sit at that computer, I know exactly what I'm going to write. Well, I hope so. Um, and I've got to make that time count. There was There's times where I'd get home from work and I'd, I'd have two hours to write before bed and you're just trying to make the most of it. Um, but even if you got out a paragraph, that paragraph is still more than you had yesterday. So you just keep plugging away at it. And before you know, before the end of the week, you've got another chapter, you've got two chapters. Before you know, end of the month, you've got half a book. So as long as you're writing something down, you, you're out in front. Yeah, and I think, that's, I think that's the crux of certainly this podcast, Fiona, and something that we can all take away is just a paragraph or just a scene or just a chapter and you're so very pragmatic about it, you're so very practical. There's no romance that, oh, I'm a writer and, oh, I have to sit down and in my castle and I have to create. It's I've got to get out of here in two hours. If I don't do this now, it's not going to happen. Um, does that sort of pragmatism and getting on with it I'm guessing that comes out in your female characters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and probably it's me to a T. You know, I'm someone, um, I go to meetings because I'm on, you know, progress committees and whatnot, and I'll be the one at the meeting just wanting to get it done, finished, and off I go and do my job. <laughs> you know, talking around, I'm like, I don't have time for this. I've got stuff to do. So um, I'm a very, very much a go, go, go person. But, yeah. uh, you know, if you want something done, ask a busy person. So I like to stay busy. It's the only time I get stuff done. Yeah, <laughs> and, and a common thread that runs through all our podcasts as well, uh, when, I'm, when I'm talking to you guys, you just get in and do it. And if there's something that we can take away, everyone, is that just getting in there and doing it and stop being so precious about this whole idea of being a writer. Um, it's great to be creative, um, but as you said, you're, you're very um, practical as well and you've got a job, you've got things that have got to happen. Do you ever think you'll go back to your full-time writing? Um, no, <laughs> I don't think so. Um, maybe later on in life when I'm too old to pick up a spanner, I don't know. But at the moment I draw so much from working out at the farm. You know, I'm learning to weld, I'm learning to fix things and drive machinery um, and I'm you know I'm very much an outside person I love vehicles I love racing so um, it kind of if you don't have that inspiration and that um, desire you've got to nurture it <clears throat> how, you know how can I write engaging stories if I don't get out and experience a bit of life um, so I sort of hope to do both yeah, yeah. I love I love this girl's uh, I guess understatement. Everyone, if you look on her her Facebook page or her website, you see these enormous fish from you know game fishing. You see four wheel drive outback riding or touring. You see motorbikes, and I'm guessing is it your husband or one of your kids who does motorbike riding? Yeah, my son or both kids actually have motorbikes, and you know, being out in the country, you've got plenty of tracks and so they're off uh, riding about and they have their own car as well because I, I grew up in a car I was in a go-kart at the age of three so and then racing for quite a lot quite a few years um, so the kids are, are much the same uh, my daughter's turning 14 this year and she's dying to come out on the header and be a chase to bin driver so 
Yeah. You almost, <laughs> almost wonder, everybody, whether we're describing a heroine in a novel or the author of the novel. You're living a life that is so romantic and so out there that it's almost considered exotic. Do you consider what you're doing exotic or do you just go, there's dirt everywhere and I'm filthy every day and there's nothing romantic about it at all? Um, I, I love it. I mean, it's – and I'm lucky for me, I sort of make – Kim especially, you know, in the um, – family secret she's a farmer and a welder and uh is very clever um but loves loves her community and is very involved in her community and it it i think it's romantic if you see it from a person's eyes who loves their life um you know pretty sunsets help as well uh and and i guess it's having that that space that freedom um, I don't know, may, maybe that's something to do with being out in the country. You just have that space. You know, you want to go for a bike ride, you can go out in the paddock and ride for hours. Um, whereas you sort of, you know, you come to the city and you just feel a bit hemmed in a bit. So I don't know, maybe that's the, the lure of a rural book. Yeah, and I think that's why rural romances are so very, very popular here in Australia. Uh, it, the outback, I'm in Brisbane at the moment, and the outback is considered so out there and so exotic. And as you're describing it, you're describing something that is normal to you. Um, but to me, I'm, I'm sitting here looking at pictures of sunsets and wide open spaces. Everyone, it's it's the stuff that dreams are made of, and it's the ideal, I guess, for romance writers. Now, you've toured a bit. Have you you've toured with Rachel Johns and Jenny Jones? Yeah, I um, Rachel Johns and I did a big tour around WA, which was great. We went all the way up to Geraldton and down to Albany, um, and I've done tours over east with Penguin. That you know, I've done. Uh, through Adelaide and round to New South Wales and Victoria. I uh, went to Henty uh, last year, which was great. Yeah, and when you do those tours, they're hard work in their own in their own right, aren't they? Yeah, they can be. Um, mainly because I'm not used to it. You know, I'm in in an area where I don't see a lot of people, and then you cram everything into a week where you're you're flying, you're driving, you're seeing people, and um, but it, it is great. It's great to have that feedback from readers and to meet readers because they are also what inspire me to keep writing. Um, they, they give you that, I don't know, the, the drive to want to keep writing. And, and do, you, do you see yourself as a bit of a role model nowadays? Um, <clears throat> not like for an author, or? yeah, yeah. For I actually think you're more of an inspiration for women. I mean, I'm really sorry, Fiona, but I I couldn't drive a <laughs> harvester and pay me, and I've got no desire to fix machinery or weld. Um, do you see like what you, the living the lifestyle that you're living is amazing? The writing life that you have is amazing, and do you consider? I guess you're you're actually quite privileged to be living it. I do. I think I'm very, uh, very lucky to have been born and raised where I am. Um, I love my town. I love my community. And uh, it's just, I feel really happy. I'm a very glass half full kind of person, as you could probably tell. So everything is wonderful and fabulous. And uh, and I guess I like to put all that into my books and share it. I've, I just, 
I, that's what I started writing for in the first place. I wanted to write a story about my town, my community and my way of life because it was so amazing to me and that's what led me to start writing. It's, yeah. It's amazing. And, and I don't think... It's probably only in the last few years that rural romances have, have really taken off. Um, but readers are insatiable. They can't get enough of, of the way that you're living. And I know I keep coming back to it time and time again. Uh, you're, you're writing one book a year. Well, you must... You, if you're writing your... If you've just finished your... And you're on to the edits of your city book and you're starting another rural book, is it the same kind of thing or are you stretching your boundaries with this new one coming on, the one that you've got 5,000 words for? Um, no, I'm actually enjoying it. I, I've been thinking about writing this book for a while and I thought, oh, I'll just make a start. And it, it kind of feels like coming home, getting to describe, you know, the rural landscape. And I've sort of had that break right in my city book and now, now I'm getting to write what I see every day again. So there's sort of this feeling of coming home, which is nice. Yeah, and I think the, the key words that you've, I picked up on there was, I'll just make a start. And and I think you've mentioned this before, write a paragraph, write a sentence, write, um, keep going and you'll end up with a chapter and you'll end up with a book. I'm assuming your life is just as busy as ever. You're off to this retreat with your mum for this wonderful, wonderful break. Uh, when you come home, is it back to the harvester and back into it again for another season? It's back to, yeah, the um, the boys I work for want to build their own cedar box. So <clears throat> I'll be uh, on hand to help build that as well as, um, you know, putting a liquid system onto their cedar bar. So I've got lots and lots of work to do out there. So that's why I haven't set myself uh, a, much of a time limit on this new book. I just want to do what I can when I can and just see see how far I get because at some point, um, we did have to say, I think about August, I want to start working on my next women's fiction that I've got sort of in my mind. Okay, so you're going to stick with the women's fiction as well as the rural romance? Yeah, yep, see how I go. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm contracted for two women's fiction uh, with Hachette, so... Uh, once I've done those two, we'll see how, how they go and, um, yeah. So you can have contracts with Hachette and Penguin at the same time. That's okay. Yeah, oh, well, I've, uh, this Family Secret was my last book with Penguin and then oh. I was out of contract. So um, I've just signed up these uh, two women's fiction with Hachette, so that's great. Oh, and you don't know where you'll put your next um, rural romance? No, my next rule's just uh, just uh, for me to tick along with and... Um, I figure once I get it finished, we'll see where, find a home for it. Yeah. Now, everyone, I started out on this podcast today thinking we'll talk about the time to write because I know I've, um, Fiona and I have attempted this a couple of times now, but because of Fiona's um, location that her internet kept dropping out and now that she's in the big city passing through on the way to her Bali retreat, it's finally an opportunity for us to sit down and discuss this stuff. And I was blown away by the time to write thing about how she actually manages this with everything that's going on in her life. But the reality is we're getting a slice of life that we are so privileged to hear from you and I laugh how you just throw it off and say, oh, that's normal. Um, it's not normal, everybody. It's it's beautiful. It's an amazing. And what you're achieving and, and the role model that you are for, for writers coming along behind, just make a start, is, is such a great piece of advice. I just want to read here um, some, so I guess, 
some readers' reviews of your books and they're blown away by your talent and your way of describing the life that you live. Um, can you think of any reader reviews that you like the most? Um, definitely. I had one just recently from a lady who bought all my eight books for herself, a special treat, and I got to – she would email me every time, she, you know, she started from my very first book and read through and she'd let me know after each book. So I got to enjoy the journey with her um, and then she got to the last one and just her message to me was just amazing. So wonderful that I think I'll have to print that out and put it above my computer as my inspiration. Um, the fact that, you know, you can move people to tears I mean, I cry when I write these books, so I hope I'm, so I hope everyone else feels the same, you know, uh, about my characters, and it's yeah, it definitely keeps you going. Yeah, and my special treat to myself, everyone, and I was saving it till the end of the podcast, but Fiona's just let the cat out of the bag. She has all her books up for sale, and it's a box. I don't know if it's a box set, but it's um, her eight books are for sale for one hundred and thirty dollars. And one of the um, one of her readers have said, "Can't get enough of Fiona Parvin's gorgeously brilliant books." Bought eight as a Christmas present for myself, and I've already on to the fourth one. Um, I thought they would keep me busy until at least June, but at this rate, I'll be finished reading them by February uh, I'm guessing that again the fact that you've bundled them all up now who who organized that for you how did you go about that um I just did it myself I've got a website where all my books are available to purchase I mean I like to sign my books and give them to people I go around to the rural field days and sell my books that way I can interact with the readers and personally talk to them and sign my books and um, so this is a nice way. Living where I am, there's no bookshop, so I actually store a lot of my books at home, and I'll, you know, people can buy them over my website, and I'll post them off signed. Um, it's just, it's just a really nice um, thing, I think. Yeah, and crack me up, everybody. Just travel around the local agricultural shows. This woman lives in the middle of nowhere, with thousands of kilometres to get anywhere. Um, and in your spare time, you jump in the car and go around to the agricultural shows. Uh, it's it's amazing about that what you that a that you do it and b that you you're so very generous with your time because I guess authors may do their obligatory book tours, but for you to jump in your car and go to some of these shows, how many kilometres would you be travelling? Um. Oh, Aaron takes me about ooh, three hours to get up to that one. So that's probably the furthest one. I have been thinking about going up to, I think there's one in Minginu, which is up near Geraldton. So there, I mean, WA is pretty huge. So you can drive and drive and drive and still be in WA. So, um, yeah, I've, I've, I've done talks in Geraldton. So what's that? It's an eight-hour drive from where I am. Yeah. So hubby. How does he put up with um, having this? And I've got to say, it, I'm guessing you are being a best-selling author. You're you're quite famous, especially in WA, and I'm assuming everywhere here in Oz. Uh, what does he do while you're jet setting around? Does he come with you? No, no, he hates the limelight, so uh, he doesn't want to be anywhere on Facebook or anywhere in the <laughs> social media. Uh, he just goes about his work. He's very supportive, though. He'll take time off to have the kids so I could travel to uh, do my tours, to do my talks. 
So he's very supportive in that way. Um, I sort of say, I've got to go to Sydney for an event, and he's like, okay. <laughs> so uh, I have a lot of his support. He just doesn't want to be included. <laughs> and and you can understand it, I guess. Um, people people sort of shy away. We're all different. Did you expect it to be as much work as it is, having having to promote your books? Um, it, not really. I sort of... I think when I first got signed up, my husband was really worried. He thought, oh, my gosh, you'll be touring and travelling straight off the bat. But it's not really. It's it's maybe one week, two weeks when, you, when your book comes out. Uh, I like to do a bit extra, though. I like to go to the field days. I like to be involved. Um, I have lots of ideas, so uh, I'm keen to try anything new, um, <clears throat> get around and, and do a bit of publicity. I like... Uh, being on Facebook and, and trying to uh, interact with the readers as much as I can, which, you know, if the internet allows me <laughs> at times. Yeah. Now, you've put up a few YouTube videos, which I watched. Uh, are you going to do more of those? Because I, sorry, I love them. I just, I was just hooked. Everybody, if you want to go onto Fiona's um, YouTube channel, they're, they're just glorious. Uh, YouTube more and more is becoming one of the main ways of, I guess, writer profiles. Well, I, I loved making up my own little book trailers. You can tell by the first one I did because it's quite dodgy and I think I got better over the years. Uh, and then uh, Penguin sent out their film guy. Uh, he came out for two days and did a little Penguins present clip on me in my town and uh, which was really great. It's a bit scary to watch now, looking back, uh, especially when my daughter's now taller than me, just about. But um, that was great. Uh, and then, yes, of course, I made my own silly little skit, a uh, day in the life of an author. Um, so every now and then, if I've got a bit of time and I have a crazy idea, I'll do something silly. But yeah, that's a bit cringeworthy. Yeah, I loved the day in the life of an author. I was hooked from the minute you started to the minute you finished and that's why I decided originally to make um, our podcast interview about the time to write. But I think you've given us so much more. And I just want to finish off with um, the Rural, Remote and Regional Women's Network of Western Australia. Now, I don't sure if you're attending a function or whether you're on a committee or how important it is to to have how you live and what you do over there. Yeah, the Triple R Network, um, it's a group of dedicated women who put out a, a magazine um, showcasing rural, remote and regional women, you know, whether they've started their own business, whether they've uh, opened a coffee shop, you know, maybe uh, they've been through something uh, hard and survived, you know, so they're, they're just stories and it's a way of connecting all these women who are so isolated, um, and I, I joined, I joined the board and wanted to sort of try and help my area, uh, try to provide for my rural community. I just, I'd like to be able to give back to our area. You know, you're very isolated. You you struggle to have, I don't know, all all the things I guess city people take for granted, like our primary school closed down, so my kids had to catch a bus to go into the next town. And just all these little things like really crappy internet, that bugs me. So I sort of joined to hopefully uh, try and improve some of these things for our lifestyle. 
Yeah. And one last thing, tell me about that beautiful Cape Le Grand and Hope Town and all. Tell us about your backyard. Yes, we've we've placed you, um, I guess, front and centre center in the wheat fields, which I know from Tom Flood's Oceana Fine and all that beautiful, I guess, uh, what do you call it, literary writing to your very real romance writing, but your backyard would have to be some of the spectacular, most spectacular, I guess, seascape in the world. Yeah, I mean, um, it's, you know, we've just got like two and a half, three-hour drive and we're either at Hopetown or Bremer and the, uh, they're, they're sort of places in between Esperance and Albany on the coast and they have some of the most magnificent blue waters with the whitest sandy beaches and... Uh, you know, I always make sure to go visit every year, go down there and just oh, soak up some salt and see, it's great. Yeah, and that's where you see her hooning around in a four-wheel drive over sand dunes. That's where you see her catching those really big fish. And I guess just camping in, from my memory over there, they're isolated, they're spectacular, and they the landscape just dominates. Yeah, it is it is so beautiful. Um, you know, you've also got the river systems coming through and uh, just I can't – there's something about it when you head down there. It's just so relaxing and, you know, you're on the coast, you get to chill out. It's about the only time I find time to read. <laughs> so I really find it precious. Yeah, and we're going to let Fiona go now because she's got to pack up and get ready for her barley trip. Uh, I thoroughly recommend that you buy the box set, or they're not boxed, are they? They're just the set for $130. I'm going to go off and do that myself. If you want to see Fiona hooning around in a stock car and a helmet, it's it's certainly on her Facebook page. Uh, she has lots and lots of fun. It sounds like it's her dad's car that she's hooning around in on that. Yep. <laughs> uh, there's fish that are almost as tall as Fiona. There's there's motorbikes, there's harvesters, there's everything you can imagine from a rural lifestyle. But the best way to find out about what you do, Fiona, I'm guessing, is read your books. Yeah, well, that's it. Um, I definitely write about places that I've been to and um, the whole area. I, I like to try and showcase the wheat belt while I'm at it. Um, so if anyone's thinking of a trip out our way, do read them and you'll, you'll find all the places to visit. Okay, and where can we find you? Me in Pingaring. Yeah, no, we're, we're sorry. <laughs> no, you don't want to go to Pingaring, anybody. It's only four houses and it's in the middle of nowhere. But go, I've go. had quite a few visitors. <laughs> you probably have a whole lot more now. Um, website. Oh, www.fionapalmer.com. Yeah. Um, please follow me on Instagram. I have all, all my rural shots and probably too much head of head of spam and tractor spam but there are still some pretty sunrises yeah and the f photographs that you take are absolutely beautiful thank you for your generosity thank you for persevering till we get got this interview happening fiona i'd love to have you back on the show when you release um or when your city book is released uh and we'll have a read of it and talk about the differences i think between writing a rural romance and writing women's fiction and how you transition between the two so if you're up for it and we're brave enough and you can find some internet service let's yeah. do that this again soon Oh, that sounds great, Melinda. I'll be in that. <laughs> uh, okay. And it's bye from Fiona, it's bye from me, and it's bye from Rider on the Road.